this it, it's just improbable to, to be able to pull this thing off and to even be in this position in the first place. So let's capitalize on it. I'd love to see BB be the guy to catch this touchdown. Two receivers left and right. Cousins back to pass. Fires to the end zone! Yes! Touchdown Vikings! Chad Beebe! Well done! Your first National Football League touchdown has made everybody forget about the muff, and it's tied the game at 27. Chad Beebe! What is going on, Vikings fans? This is Chris Corso, and you heard it there. The game-winning play for Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins and Chad Beebe who caught the game-winning pass from a 75-yard drive in which Cousins was 6-for-7, nearly perfect, and the Vikings come out with a 28-27 to win, move to 5-6 and six on the season, and all things are back in play for a playoff run for the Purple and Gold. And we had some audio issues with Vikings.com's Ben Lieber from U.S. Bank Stadium. So lucky, lucky Cy Amundsen as he's able to join us and break down one of the most exciting wins for the Vikings this season. Yeah, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me. B, I mean, it, what a weird roller coaster of a season this has been. And I think that made today's win even more exciting. When, when you lost the Seahawks game the way you lost it, when you lost the Titans game the way you lost it, when you lost the Dallas game the way you lost it, to, to come through – in the way this team did, which was not just on that offense's final drive, but also on the defensive stand after the muff punt before it. I, I know this wasn't a perfect game, and I know there were mistakes all over the place, but this is a, this is a good win for the Vikings' playoff chances, and uh, it's a good win if you're just a fan of the football team. Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins threw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns, Probably, I think I've been saying this the past couple of games, probably his best game of the season and definitely ended with one of the best plays of the season. And Chad Beebe, just two minutes earlier, muffs a punt with the Vikings trailing by three points. And then the Vikings defense steps up big time, holding the Carolina Panthers to a field goal and down by six. It's Kirk Cousins leading the, the team down the field and Chad Beebe, what a swing of emotions for the guy who caught the game-winning touchdown pass, side. Yeah, first catch, uh, first touchdown catch of his entire career. It, it couldn't have come at a better moment for both the organization and him personally. You know, the thing that I, I really want to hone in here on that Cousins drive, it, it's not just the touchdown throw. It's not just the fact that he came through in an important moment. It, it's the execution of the drive as a whole. Because two important things happened to me on that drive. First and foremost, it got kicked off. When you see any, any late game, big time game winning drive, sometimes one of the most difficult things to do in those moments is to actually start that drive, get those first couple plays down the field. You know, we saw that last week in Dallas when you had the Justin Jefferson drop, you, you couldn't break through and get the momentum moving forward. This week, they were able to do that. He was able to grab a couple chunk plays and we were able to get moving. And once we got moving, the thing that I thought was so 
incredible outside of the throws, outside of, uh, you know, the, the touchdown pass was Kirk recognizing what he had in the moment. Instead of hurrying up to the line and spiking the ball, he realized the situation he had. He had three guys rushing. They were stuck in that package. He knew he could sit back there and pick the defense apart. And he knew that was a good situation for himself and his receivers. And you saw it, boom, completion, go down, snap it quick, boom, completion, all the way up to the Kyle Rudolph completion that set the table for the touchdown. And so those two factors to me are what made the drive really, really special. Certainly an up and down day for Cousins. He starts off with a touchdown on the first drive to Justin Jefferson, but then the second half comes about with the Vikings trailing. They pretty much give the Carolina Panthers 14 points in what seemed like 10 or so seconds size. So these turnovers that continue to happen, it was Cousins who gave up the first turnover on some inside pressure. And then it was Dalvin Cook who seemed like he was injured on the play. Um, It's a fumble. And the same player, Jeremy Chin, scores two touchdowns in a row for the Carolina Panthers. I mean, what kind of like, what happened there? And he's a rookie. Yeah, and he's a rookie. That's, I mean, that you're, I don't know. I assume I haven't done the back work yet because we're just jumping on and, and, and letting this podcast rip. But I can't imagine there have been a lot of, if any, defensive players in the history of the NFL who have scored defensive touchdowns on back to back plays in a game. That's almost unheard of. And then the fact that this guy is a rookie, I, that's, you'll probably spend the rest of your career chasing that moment in terms of personal achievements. Uh, But the turnovers themselves, Chris, I think for a lot of Viking fans, they were reminiscent of that Seattle Seahawks game. You know, with the young defense, you play the exact sort of lockdown football you need to play in the first half, and then you come out and boom, boom. You get punched in the face twice, and you're all of a sudden you're in a slugfest to the end. Now, fortunately, they were able to come through and and do what they weren't able to do in the Seattle game and get the win. But man, you're not you're not gonna win a lot of football games turning the ball over on your side of the 50. That's what we've we've talked about on the MVP podcast, on these post-game shows. And this was two more turnovers on your they scored on the play, but even had they not. It was two more turnovers on your side of the 50. You throw the muffed punt in, that's three. So the fact that they even got out of here with a victory with those catastrophic plays is uh, almost shocking. Just one follow-up on that. A reason for a lot of these turnovers has been the pressure that is happening from defenses, especially on the interior of the Vikings offensive line. So I was talking to Vikings.com's Ben Lieber about this, and, and he really believes that, the, that this team's really missing Ezra Cleveland at that guard position size. So is that kind of what you see when the Vikings really couldn't get the run game going in this game and, and also a couple of plays where Kirk Cousins gets pressured from interior blitzes? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, it's no secret that this team has struggled at the guard position uh, for quite some time leading into Ezra Cleveland finally getting an opportunity to play the position. But even though I think a lot of us knew he was playing well and he was passing the eye test and he was he was helping the line, I, I don't know that we even quite realized how well he was playing and how big of a difference he was making because it was 
you know, it was damning again today. And something that, you know, Ben and I have always talked about is the jump everybody looks for and wants to talk about the jump from being a good player to a great player. You got a guy who's, you know, a middle of the pack player in this league up to all of a sudden he's a pro bowler. And and what sort of difference that can make for a football team? Well, the same sort of thing can happen when you go from a bottom of the league performance to somebody who's adequate. And and I think Ezra Cleveland is going to be more than adequate, but I I think that's what we're talking about here. The, The leap up, from the sort of play we were getting from that spot to where Ezra Cleveland was performing at as, as he started to get a chance to play here, that was such a monumental uptick and, and they clearly are missing it. So I, I, I'm not Ben, I'm not going to be able to tell you exactly what sort of gap pressures and things are, are tearing these interior linemen apart in these games, but yeah, I mean, a- anyone with eyeballs can understand that the team is missing Ezra Cleveland, and the sooner we can get him back, the better. And and to double down on that point, Chris, I mean, I, I read a piece this last week that was uh, – it was about the things that Viking fans should be thankful for. It was – I was reading it on Thanksgiving, and uh, one of the categories was the young offensive line. You know, as much as it – as much as I think you're right – and the offensive line gave up pressures today, and it's hard not to have Ezra Cleveland. The other side of that conversation is, for the first time in maybe the Zimmer era, at least as long as I can remember, there is a bundle of hope surrounding this young offensive line. Garrett Bradbury has taken a major step forward. Brian O'Neill has elevated an already elevated level of play from last season. And Ezra Cleveland looks like he belongs. So while I think you're right in this situation, and it's been hard to play without him recently, when he gets back, I expect us to step back up a level. And then, like we always talk about with all the young guys all over this football team, it's going to be nothing but positives moving forward. Speaking of young guys needing to step up, Adam Thielen was on the reserve slash COVID list, and we will hear his reaction watching this game from his living room, thanks to his wife who filmed some of his great reactions, um, picking up his kids and celebrating uh, with that final game-winning drive. But some of these wide receivers really stepped up in this game. You see a Justin Jefferson continue to show what he can do without number 19 on the other side of the field. So, Cy, what did it mean for some of these young wide receivers like B.C. Johnson, Chad Beebe, who we touched on earlier, what did it mean for them to do it without Adam Thielen on the field? I mean, I don't want to be dramatic, but I think it's enormous. You know, this is a team that's in search of a third. We always talk about Irv Smith as though he can elevate to the third wide receiver option. You know, well, that's not what you want. You want a dynamic tight end and a third wide receiver. And we've yet to have one of these guys step up so far this season. And But today you saw these guys, st- a lot of the attention here is going to be on Chad Beebe, right? That would because of the muffed punt and then the redemption. But there is some redemption for Ola B.C. Johnson here. He's a guy who got a chance last year because of receiver injuries. People, you know, had some hope for him. And then he's kind of been the forgotten man. And to come out and get seven receptions, and by the way, a pivotal, pivotal two-point conversion this was a this was a one-point game and he had a 
pivotal two-point conversion that was ultimately important. You know, you saw Cousins say after the game that Ola B.C. Johnson stepped up and was exactly who he was last year when we needed him, and he had a great game in Adam's absence. And that's what you want to hear. But now, now what, I, what I'm hoping is he can continue that in Adam's presence. Because if this team is going to make a playoff run, if we are going to step forward, I'm hoping there, there's this, this moment that all the BS and the struggles and the no offseason and the injuries and as all these things this offense has struggled with, we were just talking about Cleveland coming up and then, and then having to go onto the, uh, onto the injured list. I'm hoping we're getting to December here and maybe all these things can swirl together, Chris. You know, Cleveland comes back. The offensive line takes a step up. Alexander Madison elevates back into his role as a more prominent backup. Irv Smith, who had disappeared in the beginning of the season and was starting to make an appearance before he started dealing with injury concerns, comes back and he's a threat. Kyle Rudolph is once again emerging, catching the ball in the second half of the season. He had seven receptions today. And then you bring it all the way back, Chris, to where you started this question. Chad Beebe, Ola B.C. Johnson, one or two of these guys steps up and presents this team with a viable third option, a guy that you know you can go to and you know he's going to catch the football. That's what you need in a third wide receiver. You, got, you need a guy who when the defense has played things correctly, you can go to him and he will not, I don't, I don't want to simplify it, but he won't drop the football. He'll make a play. And I'm hoping in this game, Chad Beebe with that important touchdown, Ola B.C. Johnson with that important two-point conversion and a number of important catches throughout the entire game. I'm hoping that gives them the confidence to really roll into that role, if you will, and everything can swirl together for a December push for this team. Definitely good to see an old BC Johnson have 70 plus yards in a game after not really being any part of this Vikings offense so far this season, even had a big time two point conversion um, in this game. So that was very, very good to see for old BC uh, looking at the Vikings defensive side of the ball. They come into this game averaging, giving up 33 points a game at U.S. Bank Stadium, which is not to the standards of a Mike Zimmer defense. And when you look at the final score of a 28-27 to 27 game, it's a little bit deceiving considering the fact that the Vikings gave up those two touchdowns, also had a turnover in this game. So the Vikings defense really only gave up about 13 points uh, on their end of the field. So, Cy... From an up-and-down game, did it feel like the Vikings' defense really stepped up when, when the team needed it the most? They've just been such an interesting unit all year, Chris, and I think they've been I, – I don't, I don't want to use the word victim, but I think they've been put in odd circumstances all year where they will – they will, like we said earlier, you'll have play an incredible half of football against Seattle and then boom, boom, turnover. Same thing today. And then after playing great defensive football, they'll go into Dallas and they'll get run up at the end of the game and give up a, 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 a giant rushing touchdown to a backup. So it's just been this really weird season all over the place. I thought it was a hell of a performance today. And again, again, the linebackers. Eric Kendricks went about making his, his weekly monster play this time. I don't know how many times. I'll look it up maybe. What's the record for 
linebacker interceptions in the red zone for a season because we got to be getting close. We got to be getting to the point where opposing offenses look at this Vikings defense and go, you know what? We probably shouldn't throw it to the middle of the field inside the 20 because Kendricks and Wilson just keep picking the ball off. They're each they got a stat. They're each Vikings t- PR. It's three interceptions for Eric for Eric Kendricks and three for Eric Wilson. That's the first time two linebackers have had three and three since the Baltimore Ravens when like CJ Mosley and I forgot who the second linebacker was, but it's been a few years since it's happened considering CJ Mosley hasn't been on the Ravens for, for a few years now. So they're doing things that not many linebackers do in this league. Well, and I'll double down on that statistic, Chris, you know, when the last time this happened for the Minnesota Vikings, the last time our team had two linebackers with at least three interceptions in a season, it was 1988 with two men that you probably don't even remember, Jesse (laughs) Solomon and David Howard. So this is, these guys are, I mean, Kendricks is playing out of his mind and you heard it watching the broadcast at home, Jonathan Vilma, you know, who obviously knows the position and obviously uh, if anybody can speak on it, it's him, you know, just glowed about Eric Kendricks today and Eric Wilson that had such a big sack in, in an important moment there as the game came together. So, you know, it was another weird odd situation for the defense where somehow they they gave up 10 points legitimately and 17 points off of uh, came off of turnovers 14 of which were directly scored they didn't even have a say in it uh so but but you got to be proud of what they did today there were still mistakes all over the field uh you know and and penalties and and things like that but uh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hang any negativity on on this defense All right, so since you're filling in for Ben on this show, Ben and I are on the same page on this debate that many Vikings fans had before the game. I'm sure they're having it after the game. They think about it all the time. The feel-good story in Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, it's unbelievable what he's able to do in his career at this point following that injury back in the offseason of 2017. But in my opinion, I think you're crazy if you think – that Teddy Bridgewater is a better option at quarterback than Kirk Cousins at this point in his career. Watching this game, I that's that's the opinion that Ben and I share. So I as a guy who I, I love your opinion on these these sort of things, Cy, because you're you're a fan first, you're passionate about the Vikings, you've been watching them for years. Who would you rather have at quarterback? Teddy Bridgewater or or Kirk Cousins? Well, what a, what a no win answer. Thank you for the question, Chris. Uh, no, I, you know, I, when I was working for ESPN, I was lucky enough to be at an event with Teddy Bridgewater an Adidas event. And I got to meet him and talk to him and, you know, I got to talk to him kind of as a fan, which was really cool. And he, this was post-injury. This was right before the Super Bowl that was played in, in Minneapolis. And he was just such I mean, it's what everybody says. He's just a warm, incredible, likable. I walked away from that conversation. Literally, my head was like, well, I hope he wins a Super Bowl someday. It's crazy. He just carries himself with this likability. Uh, I think you saw on the football field today, Teddy, Teddy has the ability to be a very good football player and run an offense. And, you know, at times he's going to miss some throws. And I think sometimes Viking fans – uh, and this is the way nostalgia works. They'll look back on something and they'll remember the good times and not necessarily the bad times. And 
Teddy was a hell of a football player and he was really fun to root for when he was here. And he didn't always make all the throws and he wasn't extremely accurate at times. And you saw a little bit of that today. And, you know, I, regardless of, of who anybody would want, I think Kirk's the personally, I think you'd be crazy not to want Kirk out of the two, but you know, Kirk is our quarterback. So it's, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of uh, spilled milk and wasted energy to, to pick between two guys who are under contracts for separate teams. But I, I thought today you saw some good and some bad from both guys and lucky for us, you saw a lot more good for our guy. Now, Chris, I will say that if that kicker who's got a big old leg wouldn't have chunked that thing into the stands, we would probably be sitting here talking about two-minute Teddy. He had 40-some seconds. He completes – but he might as well have yelled 500 alive when he threw that football down the field <laughs> – executed it the guy ran up to the line of scrimmage with his arm basically dangling off his body to get the final spike in before they they lined up for that kick so i you know luckily for us it's easy to shade the conversation the direction we believe it should go because kurt came through and the panthers kicker missed a kick but i like both the guys and it was fun to watch them do battle today that's for sure. You saw the embrace from head coach Mike Zimmer and Teddy Bridgewater on the field following the game. You know, the mutual respect is there with all on the Vikings organization and Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. But let's move forward and look at the day it was for the Vikings playoff chances. Obviously, the win, they moved to five and six on the season. The big news coming out of New England, the Patriots were able to beat the Arizona Cardinals 20 to 17. So now the Cardinals are six and five, just one game ahead of the Vikings. And then you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who lost to the Kansas city chiefs, 27 to 24. They moved to seven and five on the season with a game ahead against the Vikings, which would definitely have a big playoff impact in the NFC going forward. So Cy, what are the chances for the Vikings to keep this thing going and not to fall off track like they did last week against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm not really ready to play that game because I think we all got really excited coming into this three-game stretch, and then we dropped one against the Cowboys, and it kind of sucked all the wind out of our sails. But it, it was a good day for that. I saw you know, something online about exactly what needed to happen, and it kind of fell into place. We, you know, It'd be nice if the Packers would beat the Bears tonight, but the truth of the matter is, this team is five and six and they have five football games left to play. Uh, it's a very difficult thing to suggest that we run all five of them off, especially when you do have Tampa Bay and you do have the new Orleans saints. Uh, but if you just simply and solely focus on your business, your business, there's no reason to believe that this team won't be in a position to make the playoffs. And the truth is, Chris, if you can't, get there by focusing on your business. You know, do I want to see a, a, a playoff football game no matter what? Absolutely. I remember when the Vikings backed into the playoffs 
you know, when I was in my early 20s and, you know, they lost in week 17 and it was this big joke. And then all they did was go into Lambeau Field, destroy the Packers and watch Randy Moss moon the audience. So getting into the playoffs is getting into the playoffs. But as opposed to spending a lot of my energy looking at the, you know, the other results, I want to see this team do it. I want to see them beat a team they should beat next week in Jacksonville and then go beat a team that people maybe think they shouldn't. And and when you do that, then I'll start having conversations about how the picture shakes out and who did this here and who did that where. But uh, right now it's just prove you belong because you belong. Let's not prove we belong because somebody else doesn't belong. Well, thank you for filling in for Ben in this segment. Unfortunately, the only thing easily, easily as handsome. I I was just about to say I didn't get to see Ben's beautiful face this week, which was a little disappointing. And now I got to look at your face. Ben is like Ben is like a two. Ben is like a two muscly, slightly less hot side. That's what everybody's saying. Moving along to the post-game sound, we bring in Cy Amundsen of Vikings.com along with Gabe Henderson, who just departed from a U.S. Bank stadium. Guys, I mean, there is no better soundbite following this game than Adam Thielen celebrating from his house uh, with the viewership of his wife's Instagram story. So, Vikings fans, let's take a listen to number 19, who was not able to be at the game. And he was celebrating with his family from his home. No, what's the flag for? No. What's the flag for? What's the flag for? Looks like it's on the defense. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, come on. Let's go. Let's go. That's a big time play. Yes. Yes! 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 You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me! Let's go! You got Alright guys, well you saw Thielen go nuts on that pass to Kyle Rudolph down the field, which a flag was thrown on the play, and he's like, What flag? What flag? And I was sitting here at TCO uh, Studios here in Egan, and I was saying the same thing. I was like, please let that flag not be on the Vikings offense, and it was on the Vikings defense. A play or two later, the Vikings are in the end zone with the game-winning play. So you see Thielen go nuts there from his house, thanks to his wife for uh, for giving us that opportunity to listen to that. So, Gabe, what does it mean um, to number 19 to be able to see some of some of his fellow wide receiver teammates step up in these big moments. I think it means a lot for Adam Thielen to, to watch his team get a win, especially in the fashion that it, it was in right now. Of course, we all know Adam Thielen wanted to play today. Of course, he's on the reserve COVID list and he wanted to be out there. But at the same time, seeing his brothers win, seeing his brothers uh, be able to celebrate in that type of fashion, I think Adam Thielen was extremely excited. And it was, I would say, a, a weight off of his shoulders to see his teammates get a win in his absence. Yeah, man, it has to be unbelievable. I mean, as a fan, when you watch tight, intense games, it's this helpless, you know, exciting, nerve-wracking feeling. Imagine being one of the stars of the football team and it being completely out of your control. And then you stack on top of that the fact that this game either keeps your team alive for a playoff run or pretty much eliminates your chances. 
I, every bit of that emotional explosion from him in his living room had to have been, you know, purely genuine because like you said, Gabe, it had to have been a huge relief and a surge of excitement because now he gets to come back and play meaningful football. One of the players that stepped up was the man who muffed the punt about a minute earlier, Chad Beebe. Man, that was incredible and a swing of emotions for the Vikings' smallest wide receiver on the roster. Let's hear what Chad Beebe said from the podium about the Vikings' quarterback. We call it a clear route, um, but the defensive back, he was a little bit outside shade, and so I just tried to give him a stick like I was running out, and uh, Skinny threw, Kirk threw a great ball. What was the mood like in the huddle on that last drive, knowing you guys had to score a touchdown to win the game? Yeah, I always... I got to give credit to Kirk. He's a true leader, um, and he just exudes confidence, uh, and we all felt that. And, uh, you know, when you, when you have that feeling, you feel like you always got a chance to win, and that's exactly what happened. Well, Cy, I think we have this conversation just about every single week when it comes to Kirk Cousins, and, and the game-winning drive had not happened yet before this game. And right when we got the chance – to have that opportunity for Kirk Cousins, you sent the weekly text to our group chat about this is his chance. This is when he can do it. Let's see what he does here. And finally, I can come to you and say he did it, Cy. So what does it mean for him? Well, here's the worst part, Chris. As much as we've been waiting for this moment and you've teed it up perfectly. Be positive. No, no, I am going to be positive. I'm just going to push my answer further down the road because I know we're going to hear from Kirk. I know we're going to talk about Kirk's fourth quarter. Before we do that, I want to talk about BB because the, the uh, like, A, you have to feel incredible for, for him. A- anytime you see a football game lost on a singular player's mistake, their mistake is the defining moment, the thing that ends the game. That's always a horrible feeling. So to see uh, BB get redemption in such short in such a short period of time, not only on his touchdown catch, he had another nice catch in the drive. To see his composure and for, for him to be able to go from the worst mistake I've made in my career to the biggest catch I've made in my career in such a short period of time, I'm just really, really happy for Chad BB. And obviously, Kirk was the conduit to that. And I know we'll get into that here more. But I just I wanted to point out how great that was as a fan to see somebody be able to pull themselves out of their worst moment in such a short period of time. Hey, Si, I, I think we will all be lying if we said we knew the Vikings were going to win this game, right? Like, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, I mean, I, I, I had a good feeling that Kirk would, you know, get us in scoring position with a minute and 54 seconds left on the clock. But at the same time, the drive before, after BB muffed that punt, no one thought we were going to win today. So the fact that he was able to redeem himself like that Man, hats off to that guy. I think a lot of Vikings fans forgot that fumble in a sense, but at the same time, it's like, hey, it's it's a game of minimal error, and it's a game of how can you, you know, forget about your mistakes and move on to the next play. And Chad Beebe did a great job of that, especially knowing how many times – what we've lost three out of our six games this year by three points or less. So to win a game in close fashion, I think that says a lot about the resilience of the team, but more importantly, the resilience of Chad Beebe. And everybody's talking about uh, Kirk Cousins and Chad Beebe, but but the truth is this was a this was a full phase execution to get this win because after the muffed 
punt, you had to shut down the Panthers. You had to hold them to a field goal. And luckily, they were dealing with a clock situation and maybe weren't as aggressive as they should have been. But you needed both sides of the football to come through in the most important moment of the game. And the defense did it perfectly. And then the offense did it perfectly. So it was really, really nice to see. Speaking of the quarterback, let's hear from him at the podium following the game. Uh, you know, may not have been the prettiest game, but ultimately getting a win is uh, is what matters. And it was uh, great to to get one after having some you know really close losses that were a play away from being a different outcome earlier in the year. So um, really encouraged by us finding a way to win in spite of uh, you know so many plays we want to have back. Um, you know, it was great to start fast with our opening drive. Um, you know, I thought that was a great drive, converted some third downs, mix a run and pass. And then, um, you know, the second and third quarters, we just, you know, combination of the turnovers, the field position, uh, just not, you know, even the one third down, we, you know, were short by six inches and just couldn't stay on the field. But uh, it was great to find some something in the um, late third and early fourth. And, you know, defense did a tremendous job only allowing 13 points to really keep us in the game. And um, so proud of our receivers for the way they played, really spread the ball around today. Um, you know, Ola B.C. Johnson stepped up and was exactly who he was last year and, and when we needed him and uh, had a great game in Adam's absence. Obviously, Chad Beebe did some outstanding stuff. Tyler Conklin's done a great job for us in, in Irv's absence. So uh, we've talked all offseason in camp about how, the, you know, the depth we have at the skill positions. And I think it showed today. Um, was really proud of those guys and the way they played. And hopefully we can keep giving them more opportunities. Um, plenty to clean up. You know, we'll have a lot of things to learn from from this film and um, you know just excited to uh, come away from the stadium today with a little better feeling in our in our spirits but all right Cy well he's never too high and he's never too low I mean you hear it there in his voice he's not he's not celebrating this win he, he doesn't get too low when they lose to the Dallas Cowboys last week but I, I'm still trying to get that answer to that question Cy what is yeah it, now now I'm ready I'm ready to, I'm ready, ready to, I, I, what does it mean for his confidence I mean this has to be a huge confidence builder for him. Uh, you, you have to hope so. And it was exactly what this team needed, given the way so many close games have played out this year. You know, last week in Dallas, earlier in the season, the Tennessee game. To, and, and I think that just to get those first couple plays rolling and get a couple of nice completions and get moving down the field. And then to Kirk's credit, to recognize the situation they had in front of him when he went hurry up to not run down and spike the ball to realize that he had advantages, you know, all over the field. And he just boom, chunk, chunk, chunk all the way down to Rudolph. I mean, it was a, it was a, a big boy drive where he made big boy decisions and big boy throws. And I, I don't know, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, project what it's going to mean for him in the entirety of his career or this season, but it was, season on the line and it was completely necessary and it's a big, Give us big all the deal answers. that he I got. want all the answers Cy. I want every it answer. Was, How is the it was rest a, of his career going to be? <laughs> it, it was a it was a big 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 time drive and even even the staunchest of Kirk detractors uh can't argue with that. Yeah, I mean, you talk about that last drive, he was 6 of 7 and and there was one incompletion was a tipped pass which, you know, ultimately stopped the clock since we didn't have a timeout. But Kirk Cousins, oh, my gosh, like 12 for 15 in the second – well, 12 for 15 in the fourth quarter with two touchdowns. 
like that's almost as good as it gets. Like you, you got a guy like Kirk who, who understands that, Hey, I, I haven't been the best in this situation, but he took the, he took the moment and, and ran with the moment and made the most out of the moment, which resulted in a Vikings win. But more importantly, I think th- this win, that drive was, was so good for this team uh, and just team morale simply because you're able to win a close game. You're able to have a game winning drive. You're able to, um, Prove to yourself that you're good enough to win. Granted, a, a lot of people can say the Vikings didn't deserve to win this game, but hey, a win is a win, right, Seth? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm certainly not going to say they didn't deserve to win this game because I thought they deserved to win a couple games they lost this year, and that's just how the NFL works. Uh, so I agree with you there. I also think it doesn't matter what I think or Chris thinks or Gabe, you think or any fans think when it comes to the quarterback's performance and his confidence. It matters what his teammates think, and it matters what his coaching staff thinks. And you saw Delvin Cook. You can get this video on Vikings.com. Delvin Cook walking through the tunnel after the game, shouting about Kirk's performance. You saw Eric Kendricks going nuts and hugging him and loving him up after the touchdown throw. That's, that's what really matters here. What gets said on Twitter doesn't mean The important thing here is that the team believes in him and he believes in the team. And we've all been around and participated in sports long enough to know that locker room momentum is a very, very real thing. So if that game-winning drive and this performance creates a, 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 a rise in locker room momentum, that is all that matters. Not what think pieces get written about him or whether or not I can guess if he's going to have a good next three years. Well, let me, let me guess something. And I know you said my opinion doesn't matter, but I'm just going to say, <laughs> I think Kirk Cousins should be in the running for NFC player of the month. Like the guy has been on fire the, plat- the past five games. We've had five games this month, which is crazy. And he's 94 for 131, 11 touchdowns, one interception, four wins. Like how how can you not put him in the running for NFC Offensive Player of the Month? And th- I think this game was like the icing on the cake, being able to to come from behind, uh, down twenty four to thirteen, and then get a win twenty eight to twenty seven. I-, I think I think he's well well deserving of that award. Sai, I also know you don't care what I think at all, but <laughs> during the uh, Minnesota Vikings podcast this week, I had a Kirk Cousins rant, which I I think you thoroughly enjoyed. And I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. Uh, speaking of him winning, you should have you should have enjoyed it. It was your rant. That's right. Speaking <laughs> of him, speaking of him winning the player of the month, he did it last year in October. I would love to see him do it this year in one of the later months of the season. And pretty much, I think he's going to uh, turn around the season, win a Super Bowl for the Vikings, and go oh. into uh, size Vikings lore uh, as his favorite quarterback of all time in Vikings history. Well, you know, he, he, it's, I've said this all along, and, I, you know, the reason we text like that in the group is because I, I'm just a believer that all this noise surrounding Kirk Cousins doesn't matter. People's tweets and articles don't actually matter. What will matter when it's all said and done is his performance. You know, sometimes in a team sport like this, you run into situations where, you know, it's hard to completely decipher responsibility with Kirk and with this team and with this season, I think when he plays well, 
It's very clear when he doesn't play well, it's very clear. And and that's going to continue to be the trend for the rest of the season as this team is going to basically be playing a playoff game every single week until either they get to the playoffs or they're eliminated for the season. And so, you know, if you want to have a Kirk, uh, a conversation about Kirk Cousins and where he's going and what his future looks like and what his ceiling is, I mean, it's, it's right now. You're going to see it. You're basically – you're getting uh, uh, an elimination game pretty much week in, week out for the rest of the season. That's about as high stress and high responsibility as it gets for a quarterback – and so let's just go out and start stacking them. You got one here. Yeah. You got another one next week that, that you got to go out and get. And then you might have a huge one in Tampa Bay. You said it's, it's, a, it's a league of what have you done for me lately? And Kirk is only as good as his next game. And the way teams are playing us right now, they're going to try to stop the run. And Kirk Cousins, more pressure is going to be on his shoulders. And he's going he's to have to step up. I mean, if the teams want to stack the box like they've done the past few weeks with the Bears, Cowboys, and then today against the Panthers – I uh, expect Kirk Cousins to be be utilized more in both the pass and the run game. We saw two plays where he extended the play with his leg. So I, I think at this point, while it doesn't matter what we think, I think one thing that, that remains true is more is going to be expected from Kirk from here on out with the way defenses are going to play us. Well, just to confirm some of what I said before, um, as we were talking, Jeff Anderson of the Vikings PR department sent me a really cool stat for Kirk Cousins, and it's, in his first nine seasons in the NFL, he has the most games in NFL history with 300 yards, three passing touchdowns, and 115-plus passer rating in their first nine seasons. He was tied with Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, and now he has 16 of those going past those two quarterbacks. So pretty cool stat um, from the Vikings PR group. Hopefully he continues to add on to that list in these big time games this season Um, going from one guy in charge of the Vikings offense. Let's go to the head coach of the Vikings. I mean, speaking of not being too high on a dramatic win, coach Zimmer was pretty real about his thoughts on this game. Obviously very pleased to win today. Uh, Fought really hard. You know, we made some mistakes, you know, the two turnovers for touchdowns uh, right in the third quarter was, it's not a good thing, but, um, you know, in the, in the muff punt there at the end of the ball game. Uh, but I thought, you know, we came back, offensively came back and uh, did a great job on the two-minute drill, no timeouts, went down and scored. Um, you know, it's nice to see BB come back with the touchdown after, after muffing the punt. Uh, defensively, I thought we played very well all day today. Um, you know, we had uh, blocked uh, extra point or field goal. I can't remember what it was, but... Um, uh, but I thought all all day long the defense played played very well. So um, you know we got to continue to get better. Um, still got a long way to go. Well, we spoke about Cousins not getting too high, but Mike Zimmer certainly thinks the Vikings did not do enough to guarantee a win in this game. Which clearly uh, it took them going a game-winning 75-yard drive to do it. So Gabe, I, what what are your takeaways from that statement from the head coach? Yeah, I don't think Vikings fans should be – I mean, a win is a win. Let me start off with that. But I don't think the Vikings fans should be excited or happy about in the fashion we want. Uh, you got you have three turnovers a day, five turnovers in the past two weeks, two straight fumbles and back-to-back weeks for both Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook. On top of that, 
you got 16 penalties in the past two weeks, eight today, eight last week. So it, it today was a sloppy win, man. Like I, I can't, I can't put it any more clear than that or be more real than that. I mean, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good win, but like you said, a win is a win and you take it when you can get it, especially what Sila was saying earlier, all the close games that we lost this year, when you can get a win in this kind of fashion, you take it. But at the same time, we're not going to win uh, many more games against the, the schedule we have coming up playing like this. Yeah, and it, Chris, it goes back to something, and I can't remember if we had this conversation on last week's post-game show or this week's podcast, but 28 to 27, if you didn't watch this football game, uh, that seems kind of like a little bit of a, you know, maybe not an offensive explosion, but 55 points is going to be the over in most NFL games. This was not an over style game. This was two defensive touchdowns. This was a muffed punt. This was a mistake laden, low scoring game. And the thing that we keep talking about with the way that this football team tries to execute and win, they, they play low margin for error football. It's what bit them last week against the Cowboys. And fortunately, they were able to overcome that this week. They were able, and, and it took an outstanding defensive stop, a heroic game-winning drive, and oh, by the way, a missed field goal by one of the better long-range kickers in the NFL. So uh, the, the higher point total is a little bit, you know, detracts a little bit from the reality of this game, which is, the type of football this team likes to play, tough, control the possessions, low scoring, stop the other team, execute on offense football. When you, when you have two turnovers and a special teams mistake, again, I mean, 17 points, 17 of Carolina's uh, 27 points come from those mistakes. The fact that you still got a win here is incredible, but I understand why the coach isn't running around high-fiving people and uh, throwing confetti in the air. That's yeah, crazy, I, Si. 20, 26 points off of five turnovers in the past two weeks. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think Marwan Malouf has, has some some film work to do on the Vikings special teams group that's for sure because there were a few blunders on special teams again in this game as well uh those those issues need to be resolved if this team wants to make a playoff run we've talked about the success of the offense uh the some of the things that happened on the defensive side of the ball but it was 80 yards and penalties last week it's special teams pretty much the past three or four weeks these issues definitely need to change if this team wants to go on a run because that is not going to happen every single game. What happened there uh, with that game-winning drive in the fourth quarter? All right, on to by the numbers. We start out with the first number. It's 42. Both teams on third down conversions were 6 of 14, 42%, Gabe. Yeah, and we, coming into this game, we knew – that the Panthers were the third, were the second worst third down defense in the NFL. When we talked early on Vikings Vantage this week, uh, uh, Corso, we were talking about how the Vikings were paying close. When I went to practice this week, I told you like the Vikings were paying close attention on third down. There was an emphasis on third down this week. So I expected the Vikings to be 42% is around the, the perfect average of the Vikings are, are getting on third down. They, they came into this game 43% on third down conversions this year. That's 14th best in the NFL. I thought they would be a lot better when it came to third down. I think that's accredited to a lot of, you know, what the Vikings did on first down, right? You know, they, they didn't, they weren't really good on first down today. They were in second and eight, second and long, 
second and eight plus, second and long, 12 times today. And, and, that, and that I credit that to not being good on first down. Dalvin Cook is a, you know, a, a huge example of that, but hats off to this Carolina Panthers defense for being really good on third down, stacking the box, not letting Dalvin Cook get 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 going early on. So when you when you're in second and ten, second and eight, and then you don't get a completion on second and long, and then you're in third down, that that makes it tough for your offense to convert those third downs. So 42 percent, while it is what we're accustomed to seeing the Vikings get, I don't think it was good enough today. But hey, a win is a win. I think you hit it on the head there, Gabe, and I didn't know the exact number, but just from the eye test, you could see they were in difficult third down situations too often today. You know, is that a product of the penalties? Is it a product of not having your one of your best threats on the field and Adam Thielen, not to mention Irv not being there again this week? Uh, whatever the reason was, I think, you know, the lower the lower third down execution percentage likely is connected to uh, the situation the team wound up in after, like you said, uh, more poorly executed first and second downs than, than we've seen in the last few weeks. The next number is eight, Gabe. Yeah, eight. It, this isn't a good eight. It is an eight for eight penalties today for the Vikings. Eight penalties last week, 16 in the back-to-back. -back. I mean, 16 if you count both weeks together. And, Si, you just hit on this. We're not going to win many games having these penalties. But at the same time, eight penalties is not great at all, especially against a Panthers team that I believe they're their third worst, uh, third most penalized team in the NFL. Last week, the Cowboys were the second most penalized team in the NFL. And it seemed like we we, we switched uh, roles today, speaking of Vikings and, and the opposing team. So those eight penalties surely cost us. But <laughs> one more penalty, I don't think we win today's game. One less penalty last week, we win last week's game. So Vikings really have to um, pay more attention to, you know, being more disciplined and, you know, their, their, run, their run schemes, their run fits, maybe um, just – being, you know, those mental errors, those mental errors can, can, can win you or lose you a game. And those eight penalties today were, were not in favor of us. But at the same time, we got to win. Yeah, Chris, I don't know what the I could have been an adult and looked this number up. But I also didn't know what what statistics we were going to be speaking up because I like to do what we in the business call wing it. Uh, but I, I'm not sure what the average amount of penalties Mike Zimmer's football teams have given up on a game-by-game -game basis. But these last two weeks, obviously, I think are above that. And uh, I, I, you have an opportunity this week. You know, the, the team needs to focus and the team needs to get things right. And I'm sure that'll start with the head coach. And I haven't had a chance to listen to his full presser, but it wouldn't surprise me if he talked about those mistakes and the need to rectify them. Uh, the good news is you have a struggling Jacksonville team that is likely playing for a top draft pick walking into your building yep. next Sunday. And it's a good time to get right. And it's the t it is – the moment to get right because you have to do it against a struggling team you have to get mentally focused you have to execute because if you can get by this jacksonville team you got a, a game after that against the tampa bay buccaneers where gabe if you go down there and commit eight nine ten penalties you're coming home with an l yeah absolutely and the jacksonville jaguars they just uh recently fired their gm uh, so similar to what game was that um, that we lost similar to the Atlanta Falcons game when they fired their GM and their head coach, we're, we're going to face a Jacksonville Jaguars team that, you know, don't have many wins, but 
they're going to play with with a lot of juice, and we got to be able to come uh, ready, 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 and prepared to play and not make mental errors. I really thought you put eight on on this sheet here, Gabe, so we could talk about Kirk Cousins again. I guess I guess that one. <laughs> but <laughs> going on to the last number, it is lucky number seven. Lucky number seven: Kyle Rudolph, Justin Jefferson, Chad, BBBC Johnson, all with seven catches today. I think the most important one is Kyle Rudolph. I tweeted out earlier this week that the um, Carolina Panthers haven't been that great when facing tight ends. The past four weeks, they had given up 19 catches for 332 yards and a touchdown. So I knew there there would be an opportunity for Kyle Rudolph to have, you know, a a big day. Those seven catches were huge, 68 yards. Like the the, the Vikings needed that, especially in Adam Thielen's absence. We know what Adam Thielen does, what he can do. He's leading uh, all all receivers and touchdowns this year with the with eleven touchdowns. So there there was a lot of opportunities for guys to get involved. But Justin Jefferson with the first touchdown to the game of the game, uh, moving on to Chad Beebe with the last touchdown of the game that that won the game for us. I think all four of those receivers having seven catches meant a lot for this Vikings offense. Yeah, and and uh, Kyle Rudolph has a long history of racking up receptions against the Carolina Panthers, and I I actually couldn't believe that he had seven receptions, Gabe, when it was all said and done. They all seemed important, and they all seemed meaningful, but he quietly – everybody wants to talk about BB's catch, Jefferson's touchdowns, Kirk's throws, all these different things – Kyle Rudolph kind of quietly put together a glue game where he just made important catches and important situations without Adam Thielen and without Irv Smith Jr. And uh, uh, this team needed every single one of those receptions and yards to pull this win off. Yeah, and I think having three receivers with <laughs> without the name Adam Thielen being in the conversation all have uh, 70 plus yards today and seven catches. I think a guy like Gary Kubiak says, Hey, look, we can be more versatile with the way we run this offense. Maybe we can go four or five wide and bring Ursula Jr. or bring Rudy in. But that only adds more pressure on the defense to be able to stop all of that. You got a guy like Dalvin Cook running the ball. And then you got five receivers, not including Ursula Jr., five receivers, six receivers, including Earth, that can all make plays for this Vikings offense at a high level. Hey, the, the Vikings are, are, are rolling at the right time. And it, it was good to see other guys other than Adam Phil and the Justin Jefferson get involved and make big plays. And Chris, I'll bring back something you were, you were trying to say about the quarterback earlier. Does this give him the confidence? Does, will, will, will he step forward? To me, this, this uh, lucky number seven group that Gabe has presented, will this give – the offense and the quarterback confidence in one of these guys to step up and be a third receiver. Yeah. Five wide. I agree, Gabe. That sounds fantastic, but hell not doing three it, wide, three wide sounds awesome. If we can get uh, Chad Beebe or BC Johnson or someone to step up, earn the play caller and, and quarterbacks confidence on a level that you can really count on them in important situations that could genuinely be an offense changer for this team. Absolutely. And that's what I've been saying week after week here. I want to see this offense really take off, see a guy like Irv Smith come back from an injury, have a big impact on this offense, but to see guys 
like BC Johnson, Chad Beebe. I mean, the, the lucky number seven group, I'm, I think we might hold you to that going forward, Gabe, because it was really good to see some of these other players step up and help bring this offense and take it to the next level. Think about what that did for, I'm just like ranting now, think about what that did for BC Johnson, who hasn't had the season that we all expected him to have, especially this offseason. There were high hopes for him with Justin Jefferson still learning the playbook. So for him to go through, you know, that stretch of about seven or eight games where he didn't, you know, get a catch and then come back today and it looks like he he didn't miss a step. So speaking of confidence alone, I, I think this receiver room, this receiver room's confidence is at an all-time high. A great day for the Vikings. As of this recording, the seven and six now Arizona Cardinals lost to the New England Patriots. Also, the seven and four Tampa Bay Buccaneers are down 27 to 10 to the Kansas City Chiefs in a game where Tyreek Hill has about 50,000 yards for my fantasy team, which is also good. Chris, I didn't want to like, I, I, I refuse to buy in because I just get, I just end up heartbroken. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I saw the simple, it was laid out very simply before the game. If the Vikings got the win today, and the Cardinals lost, and then the Packers beat the Bears on Sunday night football, which is at the very least a possibility. All that needs to happen next week is a win against Jacksonville and a Cardinals loss against a very good Rams football team, and you are officially in control of your own destiny, which which would have sounded insane to say going into the bye week, and it would have sounded silly coming out of that Cowboys loss, but here we are. Side, no Jacksonville Jaguar jinx, please. <laughs> I'm not the jinx guy. Corso's the jinx guy. I just said that it's you're in a good Why situation. Cor- Corso, Corso will walk into the into the podcast on Wednesday. He goes, fun fact: in Kirk Cousins' career, he's never not thrown for a thousand yards against a Jaguar-led defense while winning a playoff. It's like Corso will bring some high-level jinx stuff Wednesday. <laughs> Well, you heard it there. Cy Amundsen being positive for Vikings.com. This is Chris Corso for Gabe Henderson. And of course, as always, Ben Lieber. The Vikings win the game 28-27 to and look forward to a, a matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. <laughs>